This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. The idea of retirement can seem like a dream. But there's a lot of people in Canada who are approaching that milestone and thinking, oof, this is a nightmare. That's the core idea behind an article featured in this week's Voices of the Walrus on AMI-audio. Don Dickinson is the content curator for the show, and it's a preview of the program. Hey, good morning, Don. Hey there, Dave. How are you? Don, I'm great. I like talking about money. I like talking about retirement, (laughs) even when sometimes it's in a tinge of negativity. So the article is called The End of Retirement by Catherine Bradbury. And Catherine works under this core idea, this core piece of advice. Never stop working. Why does she say that? Yeah, uh, she. Uh, There's quite an extensive article, you know, and it's got all the facts and figures, but she starts off very, very personal. And she said that the years since her retirement has not been the dreamy passage to a welcoming future, but rather a nerve-shattering trip into the unknown. <laughs> she said her debt is swelling way beyond the point that she thought. Uh, she said her hard-won savings have been sucked into the vortex of the international market collapse. And she's now wondering if she can actually keep her house. And uh, the future is looking a little uh, different than what she had anticipated. So um, basically, she's saying that you, you have to be ready for a lot of change. So that's a very individualized story. But as you zoom out, what are some of the statistics looking like for Canadians of retirement age? Yeah, well, this really blew me away. She says roughly a 1,000 people are retiring each day in Canada. Ours is the largest generation in Canadian history to move into retirement, and uh, we tend to get distracted by those numbers. But the bigger issue, she said, is not so much that, but the fact that... um, when they're when you're leaving the workforce, you have a lot of life ahead of you, uh, and longevity is the real bugaboo because a lot of people are living a long, long time after they've mm. actually retired from their job. The average age is 64 that they retire, and a lot of people live to 84, and that's 20 long years. S- so there's obviously more than just longevity, right? There, there's raw numbers that matter here as well in terms of the amount saved, the amount in the Canada pension plan, uh, other government supports that are being given out. Well, not being given out, but they're being paid to people. There's also a lot of st- statistical data here about the, the savings numbers for Canadians. That there, there was a report put out by, I believe it was Scotiabank, a couple of years ago that showed over 50% of Canadians have less than $5,000 uh, saved in their savings account, which is like a stunning, no, that's uh, a stunning, stunning set of Canadians who have $0 saved, right? So now that's, that's obviously not broken down by age group, but it kind of gives you a sense of where savings habits and saving patterns are at. So when you think about some of these factors, what's the biggest factor when it comes to folks retiring at the age of 64 or 65? 
Well, it's it is it does come down to the longevity thing. Um, when the numbers are averaged out, she said that uh, you know financial planners are always saying that you should save. Like I heard your 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 uh, your number before about one point five. I've actually heard one point seven. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, 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 like, this, like this is it, right? Like you're talking about the high one million dollars for an effective retirement number. Whether that, that that was a BMO analysis that I shared in the first segment of the uh, of, of the show, but certainly there's six different large Canadian banks that all of their own numbers yeah exactly um i think uh, the, uh, to be honest personally i think those numbers are, are are scary and that they're really not that realistic like i i look at my my mom uh you know she lived a very good life she traveled every year and all the rest of it she had nowhere near those kind of savings right now she did on own her own condo which uh, of course is the big factor is that changes the game home, for sure right? yeah uh once you own your own residence, well, then at least you know you have shelter, right? But um, my mother, like like I say, she she lived to 84, which was, believe it or not, the average for, for uh, women in this country. And she lived a very, very good life, you know? And uh, she even left her one and only daughter some money. So there you go. Uh but again, that this, these are individualized experiences, yes. and it's, it's and and they're and they're valid individualized experiences. But a lot of things have changed, right, between your mother's generation, your generation, and my generation. Things like guaranteed pensions from companies don't necessarily exist in the same way. There's group RRSPs for some companies, but even those are quite rare. For 20 years, financial advisors have been telling me, "Don't count on the Canada Pension Plan. The baby boomers <laughs> are going to suck it all up." And I, I, and there's also been you know big market corrections there was the there was the 01 uh, tech bubble crash there was the 08 recession there's whatever is happening right now an economic slowdown a man-made recession inflation like whatever you want to call it but there are these different factors that can hit people at different points in their life and timing tends to become everything right when yes. you happen to be able to buy a house what interest rates were like at that moment what house prices were like at that moment what pension plans existed for companies there are a lot of different individual contributing factors on the overall situation but when you find out there's an entire generation of Canadians that's retiring a thousand people a day you have to at least be a little bit mindful that some of these resources might dry up especially in the context of higher than average inflation in the last 18 months compared to the last 20 years or so but Don what's been your experience saving for retirement you've had a long successful career well, you know, I was very lucky because I was part of that uh, that boomer group that you're talking about. Uh, you know, and and to to your point about uh, standardized pensions, like my mom had this uh, worked for the same company for 40 years. Okay, she worked for Metro Toronto, believe it or not, for 40 years. Uh, joined at 20 years of age and retired at 60. So uh, yeah, I think that was a huge factor back then. Uh, now my generation, uh, we also had that benefit right um uh, my first uh, 20 years of my career at southern they had a very good pension plan and uh you know i i did join that pension plan and i also had the benefit of getting into the the market when it came to housing right and i got into the market quite early on so yeah all those factors that you've mentioned dave those are all key factors as to how you're going to do later on in life you know obviously 
which I think makes it all the more alarming that you find out that as there's a thousand Canadians of your generation, and I apologize, Don, I don't mean to date you there, <laughs> but when you <laughs> no, find out that all. a bunch of folks who maybe had that more favorable landscape are still in situations where they're in a dire situation heading into their retirement, let alone, and I'm, even, I'm gonna leave my generation out of this. There's people who are now entering the workforce 15 years younger than me who are in an even deeper situation and even deeper trouble than I was. Yeah, I had to deal with the Great Recession when I came out of university and college, but like it was still a different situation. I had 15 years of low interest rates to figure my stuff out. The precarious nature for a young person right now is like tremendous. Yeah, and also uh, the employment situation. Um, a lot of young people are hired on contract these days, and they can be on contract for a long period of time. Oh yeah, you know, on contract used to, to, to in my in my time on contract meant that you were <laughs> basically on a six month trial, and then you were full time. But that's that's no longer the case. You know, a lot of these younger people are on contract for for years actually, and uh, of course uh, they they can't really take advantage of 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 the uh, the pension plans and whatnot and the other thing is is that there, those pension plans that we had are not i mean yes there are some companies that still have excellent pension plans but they uh, in our day it was pretty standard that there was a pension plan yeah. if you joined a company now it's few and far between uh don if you had to look back and and anytime you use hindsight in financial planning uh it can turn into a, a pretty deep shame spiral pretty quickly <laughs> what do you wish you'd been told or prepared for in hindsight in regard to saving money? Oh, well, you know, Dave, it's it, one, one of the big things that I really uh, uh, am kind of sad about is the fact that I hadn't joined the pension plan as soon as I joined the company. I I, I was of that mode in that way back then that, you, you know, your mortgage was your biggest uh, debt, yes, right? Yes. And I mean, to, to some degree, that's the case, right? I mean, uh, a lot of financial advisors, they do suggest that, you know, if you've got to put a, a penny down on anything, put it down on the mortgage, right? And way, and in my day, rates were 14.5%. So uh, it was, it was yeah. really, uh, you know, you were carrying a lot of uh, debt when it came to your house, right? So I actually was at the company probably a good, I would say a good 10, 11 years before I, before I personally thought I had the freedom to join the pension plan. But then when I look back in retrospect, I think to myself, you know, uh, because the company matches the money, it's actually better uh, to, to join the pension plan, right? Yeah. Uh, because it, because you have another factor there. You have another, uh, um, uh, you know, source of income, right? Or not, source, but you have another um, uh, it's a stream of it's income. A, it's, it's yeah. A, yeah, it's a savings exactly. vehicle and a stream of income. And it's one that uh, the sooner you get in, the more you can compound. That is something that I wish, because uh, I grew up in a pretty financial literate family. My, my mother sort of beat it into me, almost quite literally, uh, fin <laughs> financial literacy and a lot of my family members worked in the industry and I even worked in the industry for a stretch as well the financial industry and one of the things that even as someone who worked in the financial industry I wish there'd been a more robust conversation about what compounding interest actually means and what it means to have your money grow and work for you. Because even now with the online space, the conversation of, oh yeah, just put it in this mutual fund and it's gonna average 8% a year and you're gonna be all 
good. It's like so narrow and so uninformed in how money actually compounds and the way in which the market is going to go up and down, let alone the fees you're going to be charged. Whereas there are a lot of mutual funds and exchange traded funds or just individualized stocks that allow you to do that compounding without necessarily it being simply a matter of the price of the stock went up or the price of the stock went down, the price of the fund went up or the price of the fund went down, especially in equity-based mutual funds and equity-based exchange-traded funds, I didn't realize what a ripoff a lot of the major financial institutions were doing that were holding all of these blue-chip stocks that pay tremendous dividends to their investors, so either monthly, quarterly, biannually, getting a certain number of the profits paid back to you as an investor. There are so many mutual funds and exchange-traded funds that don't actually offer that feature, don't actually offer that money paid back to the investors in the fund, and it really affects the way your money will compound over time if you're simply looking at market price rather than what's supposed to be the advantage of investing in equity. And that's one of the things and pieces of advice that I would give to people, and I'll share this a little bit later in the show as well in a broader conversation about financial literacy, you really have to look at what your investments are doing for you. There's no such thing as autopilot investing, and I think that's something that is not adequately communicated to people when they're young, old, or everywhere in between. No, I totally totally agree with you, Dave. Uh, the other big thing that, that that bothered me was that you you really have to sit down with the bank and go through it, the fundamentals with your bank. You know, yeah. Um, People always have this feeling that the bank is working for you. No, the bank is working for themselves. You know, they, and you really, no, it's true, right? And 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 you really have to uh, sit down with your bank manager. And also, that's another thing, get to know your bank manager uh, uh, as much as you possibly can so that you have a personal relationship with them, you know? I remember when we we finalized that we were, we were trying to pay off our mortgage um, and junks ahead of time and we actually had to pay a four thousand uh, dollar fee like a penalty almost yeah. well it was a penalty yeah. because we paid off the mortgage earlier and i oh my god i I, I just yeah yeah, yeah you know and that's the kind of thing that you know nobody's sitting there up front and telling you this information when you're signing that mortgage right mm -hmm. don running a little over time here but i do want to okay. ask you one question about the royal ontario museum because there is a really interesting article called the curator of climate change which is about soren brothers and soren is now the royal ontario museum's first first curator of climate change don instead of telling me about soren brothers just give me a broader idea of what efforts the ROM is undertaking when it comes to climate change. Well, basically what they wanted to do is they wanted to uh, uh, hire someone who would be responsible for curating uh, various exhibits uh, for the ROM. And they, of course, came across Soren, who, who has a PhD and has done this kind of work and is very, very knowledgeable in it. And what his what he is doing is he's trying to bring climate change to the fore uh, to to people who are coming to the rom but he's not in a very positive way because you know a lot of climate change discussion scares the heck out of people yeah, and yeah. they go oh my god oh my god i don't want to hear anything more about climate change you know and it's all death and destruction and 
we're either going to freeze to death or we're going to burn to death in forest fires and stuff like this. So he's saying, no, 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 we're going to bring you exhibits that are that are fundamentally optimistic. And so that's what his new role at the ROM is. He's the curator of, of climate, climate change. change. Okay. Which I think is a great idea. It does you know? have a ring to it for sure. It does have a ring to it for sure. Hey, Don, thank you for this. Have a great weekend. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. That's Don Dickinson, content curator of Voices for the Walrus. You can catch that show daily at 11 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-audio. Coming up next, a new mural in Toronto is commemorating Toronto's 2SLGBTQ plus community. Artist Eric Kostiuk-Williams tells you all about it. But first, here is Canadian press reporter Karen Rebo with your Morning Business Minutes. Canada's main stock index added 1% in trading yesterday, while Wall Street markets made gains after the U.S. Federal Reserve announced it is standing pat on its key interest rate, as the Bank of Canada did late last month. Toronto's TSX index gained 205 points to close at 19,079. New York's Dow Jones average rose 221 points, and the Nasdaq surged 210. In Tokyo this morning, the Nikkei index gained 348 points, and our dollar is trading overseas this morning a little higher at 72.24 cents U.S. Canada's top banker says the central bank stood pat on its key interest rate in part because of the effect that a wave of upcoming mortgage renewals is expected to have on the economy. Bank of Canada Governor Tiff Macklem appeared before a Senate committee yesterday following the bank's most recent interest rate decision to maintain its policy rate at 5%. From the Canadian Press Business Desk, I'm Karen Rebeau. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.